Welcome to Verity Podcast. We pray today's message inspires and encourages you in your walk of faith, and that today you will experience the true love of Yahweh. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Verity Podcast, everybody. Uh, this is our first episode. Today we're going to be talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, right here I have my compadres with me. What's up, fellas? Hey. Hey. Enthusiastic. I like it. <laughs> so uh, what... What the meaning is behind these podcasts is going to be talking about biblical truths, not things that you've just been told over time and you think you have an understanding of it, but actually having fresh revelation from the Lord. We wanted to actually bring forth Scripture and not just what man has said. So we're going to be hitting different topics uh, once a month going through that, and we're going to have time of personal study. So we want to make sure that we put forth the right effort, time, and prayer before we even speak about anything. Um, and we're just praying to God that people would be blessed through this, that people would have fresh revelation, and it would just let them grow deeper in the Lord. Um, fellas, do you have anything to say before we get fully started into this? No. No? I'm good. Yeah. All right, so let's see what the Lord's been telling us about the resurrection and what we need to tell the people. Pastor Seth, you got anything in particular you want to start with? Mm-hmm. Just, you know, when you uh, we had that conversation, and that's what we decided would be the first topic, you know, uh, I started to to contemplate and, and and seek God on what he you know what his heart was and I think it's funny that before we opened up and we were in conversation you made mention of uh, you know the prosperity gospel mm-hmm. and uh, just let me say this that I'm, I'm not against uh, the bride of Christ being prosperous I'm, I'm not against the, the body of Jesus the church being prosperous I believe that we should be the most prosperous entity yeah. as a whole, not not necessarily as individuals, you know. And uh, the Lord began to share with me how uh, the prosperity message actually started uh, as a pharisaical approach to really daunt and taint the, uh, or not, not necessarily taint, taint the image, yes, but to daunt and to... Uh, uh, dampen the sound of the resurrection. Yeah. Uh, and look, man, if you ask anyone, and, I, and we've, we've read articles of, you know, some of the wealthiest individuals in the world, and, and they always come back to almost this Solomon approach that uh, I had everything that money could buy, and yet, you know, here I am with this terrible, horrific ailment, affliction, and disease, and my money could not could not save my life. It could yeah. not prolong my life. Of course, it prolongs your life. You know, uh, there's people that seem to have the same disease for 20, 30 years that usually takes people out within six or seven months. Mm-hmm. Money can help. You know, it does answer all things. But in the end. In the end, the only answer is Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, uh, it's it's life abundantly. It's life ever after. It's life, you know, uh, being returned tenfold here in this life and the life to come. And uh, so, I really believe that what we have done is we've manipulated the gospel or the message to be more enticing to. Uh, let's face it, the flesh. Do I want to have more? Th- I would love to have a boat. I would love to have, right. you know, a nicer truck or a truck, actually. 
you know there, there's there's several things that all of us would like to have and yes money would answer those but when we look back at all of these you know predominant wealthy individuals in, on their deathbed always say something along the lines too I wish I had I wish I had more time I wish yeah. I would have you know looking back I wish I would have spent more time doing this you know and and I believe in some cases people say on their deathbed I wish I would have served the Lord you know yeah. I hear that often you know people who finally do get saved or give their life to Jesus and however you know they always say, I wish I would have done this sooner. I wish I would have done this as a young man or a young woman. Right. Um, and we missed the point. Uh, am I saved or am I born again? And to be born again literally means that I died to one self to be resurrected into his self and uh, to live my life thereafter, as Paul said, you know, I, I'm resurrected with Christ, but nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the abundancy, if, if, if we can use that as a word today. That's the abundancy, and that's the wealth of the gospel. Again, do I want to see everybody in the body of Christ be debt-free? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, man, nothing but to love him. Yeah. You know, so, and, and really I, I've taken that approach serious in the last year to try and pursue to get myself and my family out of debt and but yeah I realized that without the resurrection without no like I I believe everybody teaches the resurrection beyond the veil if you will you right. know they died they're okay now they're living forever you know I heard Damon talking the other day uh, that hey, welcome to eternity now yeah so I want to say welcome to the resurrection now you know I lived my first you know, eight, nine years as, as a minister saved, but not really fully understanding uh, being born again. You know, I did everything that the church required of me, or at least what I thought the church required of me. I did everything that, you know, a good Christian would do. Right. Uh, you know, sacrifice myself for, you know, missions and this and that and whatnot. But it has only been... As of late, I realized that uh, that I literally have been given a newness of life. And so, again, we'll talk about that today, but I want to start, if we can, in the Gospel of Matthew. And it may not be a typical approach to the resurrection, but I do feel that it will be something of value if we have the ears to hear, you know. So... I want to start with Matthew 27, verse 64, 65, and 66, and then I'm going to jump over to 28, verses 11 through 15, to just lay the foundation here. Uh, I'll start with 62, but it says, Now the next day the following, fo- that followed the day of the preparations, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. 64 says, Command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. 65 says, Pilate said unto them, 
Ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as ye can. And 66 says, So they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting the watch. The fear of the resurrection in the religious community was completely terrorizing. I mean, it had them scared. They're, they're, whatever, you know. But they were completely terrified that. This resurrection, if, if Jesus was raised on the third day, would completely dethrone their, their governmental authority or their scare tactics, so to speak. But if you go to chapter 28, verse 11, listen to what the scriptures say here. The Lord showed this to me profoundly. He said, the, the scriptures say, Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came unto the city and showed unto the chief priest all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, listen to what it says, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying this, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. It's hush money. That's mm -hmm. all it is. <laughs> the prosperity gospel is hush money to keep silent the sound of the resurrection because there's more value to the body of Christ in the sound of the resurrection than the prosperity gospel, the prosperity message. Now, again, let me reiterate something. I'm not against prosperity. Right. I'm not against prosperity in, in, in no way. If it is given to someone spiritually mature enough to handle prosperity, but in most cases, that's not the case. So they literally find out that everything they did, all the preparations that they took, everything that they did to secure the sepulcher and to suppress the noise or the sound of the resurrection had failed. So now they're reverting to giving the guards hush money to keep, because these guards knew. Yeah. These guards lived the remainder of their life knowing that, that nobody moved that stone but the power of the resurrection alone. Right. Remove that stone that Jesus walked out into the earth alive again in the power of the resurrection. So they give these, these guards hush money to keep them quiet about witnessing mm -hmm. or giving the testimony of their witness to the resurrection, knowing good and well that they laid not a hand to that stone nor any other dude laid his hand to that stone, but by the Spirit of God, that stone was moved and rolled away and Jesus walked out in the, on his own accord, resurrected, totally resurrected. We know that on the third day he rose again. Right. And so, you know, it goes on to say, they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Man, we, we're buying books and, you know, we're, we're buying books and, and we're advertising books and we're, we're getting all caught up in this, you know, uh, a better quality of life. But let me ask the question, is there any better quality of life than life abundantly, life everlasting, life being returned to you a hundredfold in this life and the life to come because you lay your life down for one that laid him, his self down for you. Right. Like we've, we've completely deadened the sound. It's, it's become like dead wood mm -hmm. to the church. The, re the resurrection should be what, encourages us what propels us and what sends us into every mission field in everyday life whether it, it our jobs 
or whatever. We do it because we know that we're living now in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It what Paul said, I, I, I died like him in, 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 in the baptism and that I was resurrected like him. So if I die like him, I'm resurrected like him, then I have to understand that now I live in and as him in this life. I live my life now through and in the resurrection. Let me share something else here with you, and then I'll get out of the way for a moment. But if we go to John, <laughs> John chapter uh, 20, let me check real quick and make sure that that's... You said John 20. I see. I'm thinking. Yeah, sorry, I'm in Luke. And I wonder if it wasn't making sense to me. John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, primarily 31, and primarily the last four words in 31, but it says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believe, that believing ye might have life through his name. Yeah. Life through his name. And so the Lord began to take me back to John chapter 11. And it's, it's a familiar story for anyone that really know that has, has studied the Bible. Uh, John 11 and verse 25 and, and, and this is this is why the Lord sent me here Jesus saith unto her said unto her I am the resurrection and the life he that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live who does Jesus say he is he says I'm the resurrection and the life and the life John says and we and I say this all the time Okay, we read the Gospel of John, and it's John the Beloved. We go to Revelations, and it's John the Revelator, but John the Beloved was always the Revelator. He had a such a deep perception, yeah. a revelation of who Jesus was. And he says that all of these things were written, that believing you might have life through his name. Through his name. What is his name? His name is the resurrection. If you go to... Uh, Revelations 1 and 18 this is again Jesus speaking of himself and identifying himself as something certain uh, in 18 chapter 1 18 he says to John I am he that liveth and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore amen yeah Here, here's the thing it says, or John said, that if we believe him, we could have life through his name. We in the church have came to this, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's, it's minute considering the, the, uh, the capacity of what it really is when we say, well, we pray in Jesus' name or we declare something in Jesus' name. This is not what this is talking about, that we may live in Jesus. It actually means that we might have life through the identity of who he is, and he identifies himself as the one who was dead but lives forevermore. And previous to this, he said, I am the resurrection and the life, and if anybody believes in me, he shall not die mm -hmm. but live forever. Yeah. So we, 
and there's a power in that. And how, how, how does he walk in that identity? Because the self-same spirit that raised him from the dead. What is it? It's the resurrection. Yeah. And that self-same spirit did what to you? It quickened your mortal body. literally means that it gave life to something that was once dead. And we need to rejoice in the fact of the matter that I am born again, I have a newness of life, and I have the power of the resurrection on the inside of me, as Paul says. He says, oh, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, you know, and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Well, he's dead no more. That's right. And he's alive forevermore for that matter. And so why do we get so why why do we only get excited about resurrection day around uh, you know the spring or you know uh, Easter? I mean, literally I I should be living and I'm not doing a very good job at this myself. <laughs> you know, so I let me just point that out there. I'm not doing a very good job at living in this reality. Right. of a resurrected life. But I see very clearly where I am failing in living the resurrected life and and have, you know, made that conscious effort and decision to live in the resurrected life of Christ to the fullness. And there is no measure to that. Mm-hmm. There's no measure to what God has already given us through that power of the resurrection. Paul says the power of the what? The resurrection. Yeah. What is the power of the gospel? It is the resurrection. What is the power of the gospel? The Holy Spirit that resurrected the Christ. Yeah. Let me say it like this. The self-same spirit that resurrected the Christ has also resurrected the bride. And we're, we're, we, we fail in we fail in living in greater capacities of the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, we, come on. You know, I, I know dudes, man, you know, they, they teach, and, and they do well. They've done great and have taken entire congregations out of debt and, you know, brought them in from, you know, the red and put them in the black in their finances, and that's awesome. I, I, I love when I see people get out of debt and start, you know, living uh, living a better quality in, in that right. aspect of life. But, man, you got to look at Paul. Why was why was Paul content in any situation that he was in? Because he knew that he had, he he knew he understood that he was living a resurrected life. It was an honest perspective. It was an honest perspective, and yeah. and we we just fail. We look at things, you know. And why is why is the prosperity gospel so prosperous? Rhetorical question. Mm-hmm. But but. You know, it's like if 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 a million people will send me one dollar, there you go. I'll show you how to be a millionaire. <laughs> you know that, and, and and it's pyramid schemes. You know, yeah, it's just I've 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 seen them where you know they they'll walk around and they'll have go couplings in their their uh, their their suit. They'll have a Rolex on one hand and an Apple Watch on the other, and roll in in an $85,000 automobile and give God all the glory, you know. Yep. Or there'll be $65 million jets or whatever, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's, you know, the, you can't out give God. Absolutely not. 
Right. And 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 really, I and I have went to bat in in debates of, with some of these dudes and some of these gals. You know, uh, it's typical of the church to get completely uh, bitter and envious and jealous of someone that prospers. And uh, but then, in the same sense, yes, we will we will preach you can't get out give God, but we will get so upset when somebody starts getting blessed of God. Mm-hmm. So I'm not against the prosperity message. What I am against is making the prosperity message the focal point of your message. Yeah. Uh, because that's well. Let me share one more thing with you, and I'll, I'll get out of the way. Like I've said, uh, I do. You know, hey, I apologize. Preachers are preachers. Well, while apologize. you're looking that up, I want to share this scripture. It's uh, Matthew chapter six, verses nineteen and twenty. Um, actually, and twenty-one. It's how we're talking about the prosperity part. Uh, verse 19 starts as, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yeah. So, I mean, that's dead on what we're saying. You know, if, if they're just one to focus on things as in prosperity to make themselves better, their heart's going to be more into that than saying, how can I do kingdom work because that's my eternal reward. So when you were talking about that, that scripture just came to mind. I wanted to share that with us. And it's, it's, it's all about networking. Who can I attach myself to? I mean, Mm -hmm. look, okay. We take, we take this corporate industry and somewhere down the line, they decide that they need to merge with this corporate industry because they coming together are better beneficially at, you know, monetarily beneficial to one another. Mm-hmm. So in ministry, that's what we've done. We began looking for uh, the most or the best prosperous networking opportunities and partners so that we can reap the benefits of coming together. I mean, look, man, either you're going to be in the ministry or you're going to be the, in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, see that's what good. I'm saying? That's good. And uh, so uh, I would prefer to see people start getting into the ministry and quit, quit promoting ministry when all you're trying to do is, uh, you know, promote your industry. One of the saddest things that, that I've ever heard, and it was actually told to me, it was one of my fellow friends. He, he's actually a pastor now. And he said, Brant, you need to go to college and get a business degree. I said, why? You know, I mean, I'm not against college or nothing. But he's like, you need to go to college and get a business degree. I said, why? He said, because if you get a business degree, you'll be so successful in the church. Yep. He said, that's what they look for, is pastors that have business degrees so you can run things and and in my head at the time, I was like, oh, okay. You know, I was young and immature. And now I'm looking at him like Jesus didn't have a business degree. None of the apostles, none of these guys, John the Baptist, all they did was seek the presence. Right. And they seek the Lord. And what did he do? He poured everything out to him. Yeah. And it prospered. Why would you want the house of God to be a business? Matter of fact, didn't Jesus go into the temple and flip tables and chase them out with whips because of that junk? Yep. But yet we're, as you said earlier, tanning and staining the house of God because of how we want to run it as a business. Because if we have this program, our congregation uh, congregation will double in size. Conform. Exactly. We don't need to follow the patterns yeah. of this world, man. And and as you were saying, you know, networking and all this stuff, it, it upset me because I was like, how dare you say I need a degree to run a church as a business? Because if I'm actually seeking the Lord like I should, he's going to let people come in. Right. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean— the, the Lord really, because we, we went through we went through the training, we uh-huh. read the books, you know. Right, we've been uh, licensed through all that the, stuff. The people that write books, you know, on leadership and how to, uh, you know, e- even to the point on, on how to decorate your church. 
I mean, you know, <laughs> you've probably heard me say this. Why do, you know, the fast food restaurants just down the road down here, the most successful fast food restaurants. They change. They change within every 10 years. They completely do a, an entire remodel. Yeah. They Even to the bathrooms, they upgrade everything. They, they put new pictures on the wall because they want to present a fresh new look. Yeah. And it's enticing. It's appealing. It, and it draws in people, and it makes people feel, you know, uh, that they're being a part of something that is uh, changing, and it's uh, it's advancing, and it's progressing. It's and modern so we, and contemporary. We've done that in the church. I've I've seen churches that will remodel, uh, not not necessarily remodel, but they'll re uh, they'll restructure everything in the sanctuary. You know, uh, you go to uh, some of the larger churches and you 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 go you know once every three months and you're going to walk into a different sanctuary mm-hmm. you know they're going to have different things on the wall they're going to have uh, the the choir is going to be sitting somewhere different uh, the pulpit's going to be different you know because they they want to remain always relevant and, and fresh and that's two words that i've always heard that have began to not be so relevant and fresh in my approach to ministry but um, it's always uh again can it what what can he do to help me and what what, where, what can we bargain on and trade on to help one another? networking in the ministry has become one of those things that has really uh, has driven me further into what I call the elusiveness of of seeking his spirit you know or seeking his face and his presence but right but if, again what what does the gospel of Luke here say what we were talking about uh, verse or chapter 24, excuse me, verse 46 and 47. And it says this, this is Jesus talking. It says, thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer. And he says this, and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So first first of all, it says this, this was necessary. For Christ to suffer, but to rise from the dead on the third day. We all agree that's the resurrection. Right. And stemming out of the resurrection was two things necessary, repentance and remission of sins. That's right. That was the gospel. The resurrection, life again, life abundantly, born again. And then uh, repentance and remission of sins. So the three R's, it's not not uh, (laughs) what they say in the school, writing, reading, and arithmetic. No, dude, it's resurrection, it's repentance, and it's remission. That's that's the there three R's of the gospel. <laughs> so, but go ahead. Going along with your scripture, uh, Acts 17, 30 through 31. Hey, you said it's a time of repentance and remission of sins. Acts 17, 30 through 31 says, Having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent, but because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. And I agree with you. Um, I'm not one to, to want to jump back to something, but as we said, uh, you know, with degrees and going with the, the programs and networking, uh, the scripture came to my mind as well. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, 1 through 5. It's Paul talking to the church of Corinth. He said, And brethren, when I came to you, did not I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 
I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. Now we need to really, really catch that one, not persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that ties in, honestly, with the resurrection, because... I think it was us talking about, was it uh, Ravenhill? Ravenhill, yeah. You know, he's saying if, <laughs> if you know, Christ wasn't resurrected, you know, then, then what are we doing? We're wasting yeah. our time. <laughs> you know, and, and Paul says that too in Corinthians somewhere. I don't have it popped up, I don't think. But the resurrection is what tied everything together. I mean, he was Jesus was a great man. You know, just say if he didn't, you know, we'd be like, well, he was a great prophet. He was a great man. But since he knew what was going to happen, he raised, that gave us complete access for an inheritance of the divine. Coben, mm-hmm. it looked like you had something to say. Go ahead, brother. No, I just wanted to uh, rewind a second because yeah. um, something that Seth said, man, is just really on my heart. In Matthew 28, that last verse, or in uh, verse 15, when he said, And this story has widely been circulated among the Jews mm. to this day. And just to know how many people, you know, reject the revelation of God that we see in Jesus today. I mean, I was even reading this morning in my daily devotion that Simeon prophesied about that. He prophesied about the rejection of Jesus. In Luke 2, he says this in 34 and 35. He says, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And it just bothers me because, like, it's it's just like if if the resurrection didn't occur, then then what are we doing? I mean, right. what, is, what is the whole purpose of our faith in knowing that, Jesus came and that we have the opportunity to have a savior. I mean, even in Corinthians, when Paul is preaching to the church in chapter 15, I believe I found, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are for all people most to be pitied. And it just bothers me. I mean, like, how can, how can people honestly say that they believe in God, in the glory of God, when the whole purpose of, of all of this was to see the glory of God in his Son, to know and give hope to the mm-hmm. world that we have a Savior, we have something to look forward to, the gospel, the good news that Jesus rose from the dead. I don't know, man. It just—I know that's—I know that's just a small portion of scripture, but that just really stood out to me when yeah. when you read that. You know, I'm just like, well, if if like they're preaching, if they don't believe that, like, what are what are they doing? You know, a small portion, but. You know, as you've said, and it was it, Leonard Ravenhill that said the the entire Bible is of none effect without the resurrection. That's what it's at. Amen. I mean, none effect. It's absolutely worthless. 
Yeah. And the thing about it is, when you, you talk about glory, like, you know, Paul says that that uh, he prays that the Lord would grant you, you know, according to the riches of his glory. You yeah. Know? And in one, in one case, he says the riches in glory. So there's, there's a riches of and a riches in glory. And uh, so, so the prosperity message is knowing the glory of God, which is the Son, the, you know, the Christ, Jesus. And if we know him, then, you know, we're, we're rich already. And so, again, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's baffling. It is because, uh, let's just be honest, I can write a million books on the resurrection and not make a dollar, but I can write one book on how to be more prosperous and make a million. It's, I mean that's the, the that's it, uh, and and we've made the the gospel, we've made the message, we've made, you know, the entire entity of the church a uh, marketing scheme on how can I be more prosperous. And yeah. let's, let's just let's be honest with you, dude. If you're going to write how to be prosperous, you better be prosperous. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, if I if I write a book on how to uh, uh, overhaul an engine I better know how to overhaul an engine or you know my book probably isn't going to yeah uh, it may for a while but again if I'm running around in a geo metro but I'm writing a book on telling you how you know if you pay your tithes and you give into the offering plate and you sow into my ministry you know <clears throat> emphasis on my ministry send me a face seat of such and such dude I was watching a guy a couple of weeks ago and I'm not a fan at all I'm not a fanboy period right uh and uh, it was one of those life things, man, you know. And let me just say, you know, I I, I believe in sowing into ministries, man. And I'll just say, like, if when you listen to radio stations and you listen to, uh, you know, I heard uh, I heard Paul Kraut say one time, said, if you're being blessed by TBN, but you're not you're not sowing into the, the broadcast network, then you're stealing from God. And I know there's a lot of people just, just gasped, and but hey, he's telling the truth, man. If you're not going to sow into those things, but you're going to glean from them, yeah, you know, uh, and I, and I know that there's if you don't have the means, then then by all by by all means, you know, just that God overlooks that. God God knows, but you know, if you you can't send fifty cents to the man of God that you're gleaning from, you go down the road and you 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 buy a a honey bun for a dollar seventy seventy nine cents that you didn't necessarily need. You know, God God doesn't wink upon those things. But uh, but then again, I was watching this guy and he was like, "If you'll believe with me and you'll send, you know, such and such ministries a face seat of a thousand dollars, God's going to do a miracle in your in your community." Dude, let me tell you something. The <laughs> prosperity gospel has like we've started this whole podcast. The, the prosperity gospel. Uh, the faith seed message mm-hmm. has completely daunted. I think I, I could use that word there. Uh, the sound again of, of of the resurrection, and I'm thinking, you know what? The Holy Spirit convicted me just in that moment, and He said, "Has not the entire the the, the entire cost been paid on the cross? I mean, it is finished. To tell us die, it is literally paid in full." Yeah. And we're telling people that you need to send a face seed of $1,000. Come on, you know what's a bigger miracle? Send me a dollar, and God says he'll gonna, he's going to save a million people. Yeah. Come you on. know what I'm Come saying? Come on now. Come on. Let's, let's, <laughs> yeah. separ- let's separate the ratio at a, from a greater distance. Yeah. Let, let, a dollar for a million. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, so, 
it kind of turns me off when people start getting on, you know, uh, social media platforms and saying, you know, well, we need we need these people to sow into this ministry. We need to, and I'm not totally against it, but then again, there's got to be some proof in the pudding, maybe so to speak. No, you know, if you're going to preach the gospel and you're going to preach this prosperity message, uh, I think the greatest wealth in the church is being able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Absolutely. And so we've made this. It's a it's a marketing gimmick, man. It's uh, what what was scripture said? Uh, the heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, and raise the dead. Yeah. That's it right there. You know, it's not about the money. And signs and wonders <laughs> will follow these, but I have a you know the old <laughs> yeah. statement is follow the money and see where it goes. Uh, nah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we need this much and we need that much, and people poking and prodding, dude. Come on, you, you know why. Why do we call them storefronts? You drive by the window. How many times have you drove by a window and seen something, you know, let's, uh, let's go to a sporting goods store, and uh, you, see, uh, you see something that is on a display in the storefront, and it begins to pique your interest, and you think that you need that. Notice I said you think you need that. Uh, dude, we're, we're setting up storefront ministries on Facebook and every social media outlet trying to provoke people to pay for yeah. our madness, pay for our irresponsibility. Yep. Dude, let me tell you again what Paul says. Paul says if a man does not eat, he does not deserve, or if a man does not work, excuse me, yeah. he does not deserve to eat. That's right. And so, you know, to be worthy of your hire, come on, man, you, 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 you can't keep, priming people for money and you're not pumping out no evidence of the resurrected life period i mean what is the resurrected life it's it's being born again into the nature and the person of jesus am i doing that no but i'm doing it better than i was yesterday that's right it's a process. that's the point uh, i just think we worry so much you know about financial insecurities in in today's world and i think that's what just drives the 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 money the the finances and you know god he just he does not supply he supplies us with what we need he doesn't supply us with what we want and i think you know i think so many people get that mixed up i mean even in the old testament like he supplied them day by day. And what's what's the scripture that I'm thinking of when, you know, do not worry about tomorrow. For oh, that's Matthew chapter 6. Tomorrow has its own worries and yeah. saying, you know, about the birds. that You're not more of value. Yeah. And <laughs> I just think it's just such a, um, especially with, you know, the economy and everything now that people just, it's just such an insecurity. And, but in context, Today's standards are no different than the biblical standards. I mean, really when they is. were in the wilderness, God supplied them day by day. I think you were talking to me about this the other day to say that, or maybe I even heard it, that when God would provide for them, that, you know, if there was an abundance of food left, they were instructed to eat it all that then because 
he supplied them day by day, and you know tomorrow may not get as much, even. So, so I just think, you know, it's just I just don't think we that we need to worry and about saving money and you know storing up our reserves, but we just need to trust God more that you know He will provide for us. He He will He He will always provide for us. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Yeah. And, What's well, up? You know, what what was the parable Jesus said about the guy that had an abundant crop? What did he do? He built bigger barns to hold, yeah. and, you know, and to uh, to retain it all for himself, you know. And uh, but you know, here's what the message has become: you know, uh, keep up with the Joneses, not follow Jesus. Yeah, you know, it is <laughs> unfortunately. What I listen, and I don't mean no disrespect here, but. Just, just drive on 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 a main highway, you know, a predominantly traveled highway. Nine, I'll say, seven out of ten churches have a programmable LED light sign to where they can, on their computer, type in their their dates and their services and their times and everything. Uh, and and what is that? That is. That is an industry model. It's not a ministry model, and uh, I've had people tell me, you know, if you're going to be successful, you gotta, you gotta, guys. And I don't make this up. If you're going to be successful, we have to have one of those signs. And I'm thinking, okay, but the Bible says that these signs <laughs> will follow them yeah. that believe, miracles and and you know wonders. So. I don't believe that I have to keep up with the Joneses. I believe that I have to, you know, uh, deny myself and take up my cross and follow him. Daily. Daily. And uh, if that is the case, man, listen, we do these things because it's industry models. I I use this all the time. You know, there's a town close to here. We mentioned it a while ago that there's a, you know, there's, there's a gentleman's club setting up on the hill. And no matter what direction you come into this town, that's that's the building you see, and that's the billboard that you see, and those are the first lights that you see if you come into this town at night. Is the advertisement of this uh, gentleman's club, and that's that's the the standard of industry is to put yourself where you are the focal point, and that is the absolute oxy. I mean, that's the absolute polar opposite to the gospel is not to put yourself to where you could be seen to put yourself in the spotlight it's to literally put him first yeah to deny yourself take up your cross and follow him what so, john the baptist say uh, i must, must decrease. decrease that he could increase yeah. that he would increase and but again we've we've implemented all the industry models into church so that we could grow it like a business mm-hmm. and uh to be more successful, we look at the numerical expansion rather than the spiritual, spiritual kingdom growth. Yeah. Look, dude, I want to see. Listen, there's two, or th- there's three in this room, but there's actually four because the scripture tells us he's in the midst of them. That's right. You know, I don't know what kind of car he drives. I'm sure it's better than than most. But I would. My dreams for him is not a Maserati. My dreams for him is to see him lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Absolutely. And that's not. And, and I say that because that's that's Yeshua's dream for him. Yeah. That's exactly it. And that's that's been a word that that 
I've been using a lot, and the Lord's been putting it heavy on my heart, is just inheritance. We fully do not know what our true inheritance is, and we don't operate that. It's because, honestly, I think it's because we're dumb in that area, because it's things that have not been truly taught to us. And the only way that you truly find out about everything is when you have your own personal devotion and you're seeking the Scriptures and letting Yeshua tell you these things. I mean... I'm just going to use my wife for an example. A couple of the ladies uh, in the Remnant Bible study group. You mentioned the word demon, and they want to scream and run like a little girl. And I said, why do you want to be like that? You know, I'm not trying to sound big and buff, but I mean, anybody's going to be like, oh, man, there's a demon here. But he's saying, I've given you all authority over that. You know, cast that junk out. Take care of it. That's just part of it. I mean, you can get into the, the gifts of the Spirit, you know, uh, all these other great things that we have because of Jesus and Him crucified and Him resurrected and at the right hand of the Father. But we are weak in so many areas because we have not had that pounded into our head like we have had all this networking stuff. And uh, honestly, man, I think that's the issue with, with the nation today is because we are ignorant in what we truly are supposed to do and what we can operate fully in. I, I truly believe that's... At, in, I love how when you're preaching and we hear the word too, remnant. I think that's why he is raising up a group that is a remnant, that is actually understanding the truth, the biblical truths of what we're really supposed to do in today's time. Because a lot of these mega churches, and I'm not one just to bash them because they're big and they're successful, whatever. I mean, if the presence of God is there and they're truly doing it, God bless them. But if not, it's just a game. We should be on top of everything. It's Christianity. Let's just be real. You know, we I know we're going to be persecuted and all these crazy things, but we should have dominion over everything. And instead of letting the world trample us, we should be having it underneath our feet. So I don't know why I rambled on that one, but I just think that the bride needs to walk in full authority of what she's supposed to do instead of just doing half. I agree. That's... Uh... <laughs> I think we lost in translation throughout the years the uh, the given authority to the bride as it pertains to Jesus and his church because, you know, growing up in the culture, we were told that, you know, there's there is, and, and I'll just forgive me for a minute, but this is why we have uh, the feminist movement. Uh, mm mm-hmm that men were superior and women were inferior. But Jesus never sees it that way. He never saw himself as the groom superior and the church as the bride inferior. Jesus himself, and this is not Seth talking, this is, this is the revelation of the scripture through the spirit. He saw the bride and himself as equal one and the same. That's right. So we've 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 constructed this misconstrued image or you know uh, idea. Uh, why were we talking about this again? I don't even know. We kind of rabbit trailed. Yeah. <laughs> it must uh, be something that we're not supposed to talk about. But uh, it'll come back. It, it, it'll all play <laughs> in the. It'll all play back into it. We can but, reel it in. <laughs> help us out here, Kevin. Why were we going down this path? I don't know. Um, 
I just started oh, the word inheritance. Sorry. You were talking about the bride only doing half of what they were supposed to. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> Mental block. No, uh, but, you know, he, he saw the, himself in the church and the church as himself. Yeah. And that's why it's so it's so necessary for us to understand and walk in the fullness of the revelation of the resurrection because again you know and, and Damon says that he didn't he wasn't crucified for you he was crucified as you and therefore he didn't resurrect himself for you he resurrected as you so we got to understand that that is being made conformable unto his death that is you know I was crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ that lives in me in the life that I now live I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, it again, man, listen, we have got to start walking in the fullness of this thing. And it and what the fullness is, it's not, you know, how many people can we, how, how many people can we serenade and entertain? It's how many people can we set apart and empower? Right. You know, because we, we were set apart. And mm-hmm. that's that's the whole remnant thing, and that's the whole bride of Christ thing, man. Is uh, you know, and I really believe that when He gave Himself to the bride, that He, I mean, when He He approaches them, He looks at the disciples. He said, "Hey," He said, "All power has been given to me, both in heaven and earth." Yeah. And then He sends them into the world. What happened in that moment? He delegated that same authority to them. Mm-hmm. What society has deemed as inferior, Christ has deemed as one of the same. And the, the whole rabbit trail that I went on was that for that was, look, we make the church inferior to mm-hmm. the superiority of Christ, but Christ gave the superiority of who he was into the identity of the church. And that's why it's so, it's so relevant and it's so necessary that when John says that all these things were written so that you would believe and that you would live hmm. in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the resurrection. He is the life. He is the power. He is the way. He's all of those things. Mm-hmm. And we need to be walking in it. You were talking about inheritance. Look what Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 says. You know, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Come on. We've, we've got... <laughs> There's impartation, there's revelation, and there's just information, and sometimes not all information is necessary. Uh, you know, he tells Joe, uh, Peter, says, you know, who am I? Who do you say that I am? He says, you're the, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, man, yeah. this is awesome. But he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you because it's revelation. Right. And so, you know, it wasn't information. I can <laughs> give you information, but if you don't perceive it through the eyes of your enlightenment, it's, it's dead. Right, and he's saying, you know, we need to open our eyes and the understanding that they may be enlightened. And but he says, he says that for this, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What is it? What what is his inheritance? Jesus Jesus teaches that his inheritance is the church. It's those that the Lord has given him. Yeah, those are the saints. And there's riches and there's glory in that inheritance. We are his inheritance and he is ours. That's right. And there's glory, there's power, there's understanding, there's enlightenment in all of that. And it goes on to say, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he, what? Raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand 
in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. <laughs> come on. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. That's I, dead you, <laughs> dude, you cannot, you cannot take the, 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 the bride of Christ and the church and put it in an inferior category. That's not biblical. Right. That's not even Yeshua's teachings. Yeshua taught that we were the one and the same. To, you know, for this reason, a man leaves the house of his mother and his father and is joined to his wife. Right. Adam said, well, this woman has been taken out of me. I'm going to call her a woman because she is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Jesus teaches in the Gospels that whom God has put together, let no man tear them apart. Right. There's unity, there's oneness, there's completeness, there's fulfillness. There is two entities, the bride and the Christ, coming together in one. Okay, what does that have to do with the resurrection? We were resurrected into the resurrection of Jesus. As he lives abundantly and forever, we are to live as abundantly and forever in mm -hmm. Jesus' name, in his identity. Yeah. What is the identity of Jesus? It's got to be the resurrection. It has to be. Because, I mean, when you go to the revelation, this is, this is what the scriptures say in the, the Living Translation. This is Jesus talking to John. In the revelation, the revelation of who? Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says this of himself. I've done read it. Uh, Revelations 1 and 18, this is the Passion Translation. The living one. I was dead, but now look, I'm alive forever and ever. What is his identity? It's the resurrection. Yeah. It's the a living one. It's the living one, the one that was dead, but now look, I'm alive forevermore. We're to be walking in that identity. That's the fullness of life. That's the prosperity of the gospel is the resurrection. That's right. It's not my bank account. That's it's, right. It's not... It's not his Maserati. Well, and not only, you know, when you were talking about the women being equal to the men, I was talking to Brant the other day about, you know, the fact that two women were the first on the scene. Yep. You know, yep. I, I thought a, a lot about that and just thought, you know, that in itself shows the significance of women in the Bible. Just to... You know, I think that was just to say that they are level because women back then, they had no accountability. They had no credibility. No, I mean, and, and for them to be the first eye-hand witness accounts of that, you you know that there's some symbolic meaning behind that. There oh, has yeah. to be. There's, it's, there's no coincidence about it, mm -hmm. you know? Well, why is the church called the bride, you know? Exactly. Why, you exactly. Know? So the, the, the feminine entity cannot be inferior to the masculine entity. That's right. And, and, I mean, you have to go all the way back to Genesis where the Lord looks down at Adam and said, it's not good for man to be all one. Yep. You know, the Bible says all, the, you know, all alone, but some theologians believe that it, it actually could be translated all one. So literally he, he, took, he took Adam, who was complete, some believe that he could even pro, pro, procreate within himself and produce life. Uh, but here's what I believe, and I believe there's scripture to back this up. Okay, he created him, he and she, in his image. 
created he them in his image. Those are, that all comes out of Genesis. That's the creation. Okay, what is the complete image of God? It's man and woman together in matrimony as husband and wife, as one and the same. I mean, we could teach here all night on what that right. really means. You know, my wife don't walk behind me. She walks beside me. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the bride of Christ don't walk behind him. Yeah. She walks with him. Listen, man, there's there's even scripture, I believe, that, that, that where he, he shares his throne. He says, come sit with me, you know. Mm-hmm. Come sit with me. Come up hither, and I will show you things that shall come hereafter, you know. But uh, we we have got this, this whole ideology, man, that, you know, uh, and, and we retain or we, we gain some of it from the scriptures, you know. But look, now here's something that the Lord showed me couple years ago Abraham and Sarah you know they were given a promise both of them I believe were given the promise the promise pertained to Sarah just as much as it pertained to Abraham but Sarah you know in her haste came up with this grand idea that really would become a disaster and a catastrophe that Abraham could go into her handmaiden Hagar and you know that that's how they were going to produce that's how they were going to produce the promise yet they didn't have permission to do it so that Mm -hmm. way and again, that's programmable church that don't always work according to the will of God. It works, it's successful, but it's not always the will of God. Uh, but something the Lord kind of showed me was when uh, in that submissiveness, that when she, okay, the Bible says that Abraham went in and knew her, that, that you know he went in unto his wife. I believe that in that moment, that through submission, that authority was transferred. And how do I know this? Well, first of all, it, it was the covenant. Okay, Hagar did not have covenant with Adam. Sarah had covenant with Adam. Right. And the uh, ordained and the sanctified intimacy was with, between Sarah and Adam. And the promise was to come through Sarah and Adam. But when Sarah looked at Abraham and said of Hagar and Ishmael, I don't like them, get rid of them, what did Abraham do? Why? Because I believe that through the submission and through the giving of one to the other, that Sarah did not come under Abraham. Actually, she came as Abraham. You know, the, the, the whole... The whole depiction here, the whole scenario here, you know, we, we know what I'm talking about. But I believe that in that moment, she did not she did not give herself under the authority of Abraham. That in the process of submitting to Abraham, she then there received his authority also. And so even in creation, that when the Holy Spirit hovered over the earth, I believe that in that moment that he was just like you said earlier in that one instance when God breathed, the Holy Spirit into the disciples before the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit hovered, that that word is uh, rakoff, which literally means to hover, to you know suspend above. It actually means, and it is a Jewish idiom for intercourse. Hmm. He he brooded over. What did he brood? This is, I mean he. He literally reproduced heaven and earth in that moment because what the thing that was once dark, empty, and void, then became, then become an appearance, and it began to take on the appearance of heaven through him brooding over, 
Okay, what did the Holy Spirit do over Mary? It came upon her. Yeah. And she was conceived of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so, you know, so I believe that when we come under the authority of the groom, we raise in the resurrection and the authority of said groom. Does that make sense? That's awesome. I completely went from Genesis to Revelations to teach that, but that's what <laughs> that's, that's, that's good. So, that's good. But now, like, even what, what Jesus said about the inheritance part on that, you know, is greater things than I mm-hmm. will you do. If the Son of God is stating that, why are we not operating in the things that he says, greater things than I will you do? And, and we can ask questions like that all night long, but that that's, that's my goal is to find out the answer personally and for other people to get a hold of that as well because... I want to be used like that, you know. And then I have people say, "Oh, well, that's just that's just a fairy tale. That's just a book," you know. I, I was watching some. I, I liked a, a group on Facebook not that long ago. It's like God's Way or something like that, and they they posted some stuff. I was like, "That's pretty good." And then one day they posted something that was completely contradicting to everything that they were saying. And one of the uh, administrators of it was like, "I don't believe in healing anymore," you know, the dispensationalist stuff. And uh, I was like, what in the world, dude? He's like, yeah, when the apostles died, the healing quit and all this stuff. He's like, what I always try to tell people that say they can heal is go to the hospital and heal everybody. And I was like, what, what in the world? But Because then you read about Peter saying that he walked by and his shadow would hit somebody and they were healed and demons would be yeah. cast out. And, you know, and, and I know we have access to that. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking in my head saying, you know, Lord, w- reveal it to me or, or you, you know, am I not on the right level with that per se? Um, because I know that we have access and that is part of our inheritance. But, uh, you know, I, when people say junk like that, it, it just irritates me because I'm like right there, you're limiting God. How would you say, well, that don't happen no more. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So why would you limit him? Uh, you know, we, the Bible says that he healed them all. Yeah. That came to him. Mm-hmm. We forget the part where they came to him. Uh, and do I believe that a man of God under the anointing could go into a hospital and heal every affliction? And I believe that. I pray yeah. for that. I hope for that. And I dream for that. Yeah. And I dream that one day I am so humbled and I have come to a point of such a decrease that he has come to a point where he can't increase any more in me, and that man is myself. Yeah. I mean, literally. I mean, I mean. Let's let's be real. Some people dream for a million dollars. I would love to have a million dollars, but I would love to be the man that walks through the opening doors of a hospital and everybody on their sick bed gets up and walks out, and yeah. the, and the hospital says, "We have no answer." Come on. But there's a glory. There's a radiance. There's a presence. There is. There is, there is, there is the episkiazo. That's what that's what they were talking about when Peter. But something I believe that we need that we miss here. Yes, they did certainly lay them down in his path. But it says that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. Okay, uh, I, I've I've been and you probably have been doing this. And I was talking to Brandy about it the other night. I said I prayed with people that I literally in my spirit saw an unreceptive smirking yeah. spirit mm-hmm. laughing because you know I had the faith 
And yes, I had the faith the size of a mustard seed, but there are some people that, you know, some entities that are, you know, the stronghold, so to speak. And is it, was it the power of Jesus that was futile and insignificant and impotent? No, in, in some cases it could have been myself. And in some cases, you know, it was uh, just not everybody wants healed. Yeah. Not, not everybody not everybody is in a place to to receive the healing. I mean I mean literally it's like I I've, I've been praying and I've it's almost been like I've in my spirit have peered into a dark hole and could see the faint impression or the faint outline of a face not necessarily the face of the person I'm praying for but of the stronghold mm-hmm. that is you know with a grimace look and and an, and an evil laugh you know saying how huh, you know you're you're not there yet. You're, I'm not where Peter was at, but literally, my dreams and my prayers is for the grace to walk in the episcopio, the envelopment of the haze of brilliancy. That yeah. literally, uh, and, and I'll just be honest to you with you. The reason I want to walk in the episcopio is I'm I'm a little backwards. I'm a little awkward,s and and sometimes when I go in to pray for somebody, look, man, I, I'm. I put the whole world weight of the world on my shoulders, and I know that I am, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just a man. I want to walk so hand in hand, foot in foot, with Jesus that when I walk in, I can remain silent, but the Spirit begins to sing songs over yeah. people's lives. That's what I want. I don't want recognition. I don't want the uh, accolades and the acknowledgement because I know what that could lead to. Yeah. I, I know that I may not be mature enough to walk in the anointing that God has raised me up to walk in uh, if I began to sound off bells and whistles and people began to just, you know, uh, follow my Facebook or my social media. Uh, I, I don't want that. I don't want that. But in myself, I you know, every every person wants to the acknowledgments of, oh, yeah. and, and the accolades and all that. But... The spirit in me and the humility that I've began to pray for does not want that. I want people just, you may hear me say this a lot, I want to walk down the pickle aisle. Yeah. And somebody in the mustard aisle starts to hear again or starts (laughs) to see again. And they start shouting, I don't know who touched me, but I know that Jesus has healed me. You know, they can't can't point a finger at COVID (laughs) and say, he prayed for me. I don't want that. I want somebody to just be well. You know, pass them down a sidewalk and you know, just, and then uh, start shouting. You know, because they they knew they were sick. I don't, I I want to walk in that man, and that's yeah. the power of the resurrection. It really is. You know, mm-hmm. we sound like for the last fifteen minutes we got off subject, but we're not. That's the power of the resurrection. It is, and that, that's what I was thinking exactly too. I was like, we might be rabbit trailing, but if it wasn't for the resurrection, none of this would be yeah. anyways. You know. Um, Let's go ahead and reel that one back in. Like you said, even though we're technically still talking upon that. Um, something that I really wanted us to try to talk on tonight. Um, Coben, I'm going to give you a minute to talk to you here in a second, buddy. <laughs> you, uh, I can see that you got you got the, the gears churning in the head too, brother, just like us. Something that I want us to hit tonight was, I mean, we could, we really, really talk about, you know, the tomb being rolled away and the actual resurrection. But I think we neglect talking about what occurred during the three-day process. I don't think we really put enough emphasis on what Jesus really did for us while he was in the grave. Um, I wanted to talk about how 
you know, how it says that he took the keys from death, hell, and the grave and talked about the authority that he has given to us because of what he went through and how he conquered those things. Um, so, I mean, we, we can hit on that because, like I said, a lot of people don't preach about that. And, and I think that is a lot of significance, too, showing how much he went through and what he truly did for us in between that time span. I see that you got your head, <laughs> your gears turning, too. So go ahead, Coben, give us some input, brother. Well, you know, just to the the fact of the whole, this whole story starts with the life of Jesus, and it ends with a lie to the people, yeah. you know? And, I mean, in just so many other religions, you know, Buddha in China, go you can go to his tomb yeah. and, and it's occupied. I mean, just Muhammad occupied. Right. And, you know, it's just, it's such a problem for so many unbelievers that the resurrection did occur because in every other religion, no one has defeated death. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's like a perplexity in some sense, but, and there was three obstacles, you know, there was, the stone, the soldiers, and the saints. The stone was removed. The soldiers were removed. The soldiers fainted. And the saints were reminded. And the greatest obstacle to it was the unbelief that that he rose, you know? Yeah. It's just, I mean, to me, I'm a very, very logical guy. Like, I... I almost get myself in trouble in sense. Like <laughs> I, I look for the, so many answers. Yeah. And to just to know of all other religions and practices to to like, I it's it's almost like you have no other option. Like because like he is life. He is he is life. He he had the key. He had the keys to Hades. Like yeah. like you said. I mean. There's no other. If if I don't believe in that, then then what do I what do I have to believe in? Right. You know. I mean. I, I can't I can't fathom any other, especially you know just by receiving the Holy Spirit, man. I mean. Gosh, that's just another. That's just a whole other door to open. I mean. To know. That God was just gracious enough to reach His hand down. And, and touch me, you know. I was at a revival two and a half years ago, and for just just prayed, just never never got to receive the Holy Spirit in the twenty one years that I've been alive. And you know, just to receive that, that receive that touch of God, that little bit of heaven, of what it's like. Like I tell him all the time, like you know. I can never go back, never, to, to how I was before. Because there's no, I mean, there's no drug, there's no substance, there's no alcohol. That's right, come on. Like that out there that I have ever experienced on, on this earth. And, I mean, it's, it's like a spiritual high, brother. I mean, like, you can't, there's nothing better in this world that I, that I have ever experienced. And, you know, like, that's my prayer. Like, that's just been my whole ordeal lately is just, just the knowing that what I've received and that there's other people out there that will never get to receive that, you know? 
and it's yeah. and it's hard and it's just it's sad man right. like it's just just breaks my heart you know taste and see that the Lord is good you had a taste of it brother and I'm and I'm forever grateful for that because like that is a benchmark in my life that no matter what is going on no matter what my circumstances are I can say I can I can remember that right. to, yeah. to hold and hold on to that to say God you were there you are real I don't know what I'm going through right now I may not I may not feel you as close as I should but I know you were there I know that that point in my life when I when I was the, at the lowest point of my life I knew right then and there you were there yeah and it's just it's awesome man I mean I, I'm just I'm just like I tell this story all the time but I am just so grateful in my heart that for to experience something like that because if it I, I just wonder how to not experience that like where would I where would I truly be today I mean he, he didn't have to prove himself to me no. you know I mean no. He he didn't have to do what he did, but he did, man. He did. And, and I mean, I'm not trying to get teary eyed over here or anything, but I me neither. But you're doing a good job. Yeah. I, I mean, I I just I just love him, man. And and it's like the parable of the pearl, you know. Yeah. It it's like a it's like a dual subliminal meaning. Like it was like he sold all he had to come down and touch me. Right. And now I I will sell everything I have the rest of my life. Come on. To get to, to yeah. be with him. That's the prosperity. That it yes. is. You know? Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. That's beautiful. That's the truth, man. You can't get. I'm just going to shut my mouth now. <laughs> no, he, he nailed that, didn't he? You're good, man. Because here's the thing, you know, it's, it's something that Damon preached on. I, I forget what the. He was, I think he was with the ramp at the time. He said when 9 11 happened. As you said, it was based off upon, like, you know, a lot of people think it's a lie, like all the resurrection never happened. But people inside their mind think of something at a higher power. I mean, even if you're an atheist, you put too much effort trying to prove that there's not something, you know what I mean? So when 9-11 hit, he said so many people were running to churches, and churches were overflowing because they thought it was the end of times and all these things happening. He said, but if you give it about two weeks, they were back out into the world. That breaks my heart. Because of what we just said right there, because if they would have the true anointing that we're supposed to have and preach the gospel of Christ crucified and resurrected and, and was living that relationship and having his presence in there, those people would have never ran out those doors back into the world again. Because what you just said, you were in a time of lowness, in a time of hurt and anguish. Those people were, but yet you had a touch from Yahweh. I mean, he touched you in a great yes. way. And they went in there seeking it. And I, I'm almost willing to say that he wasn't even in that place. Yeah. To be honest with you, as we call it, as a, as a gentleman club, as a moose club, anything like that, you know, it's just a bunch of people hanging out. Because if the presence of God was there, they would dwell. Yeah. I heard Damon say one time, he's been in more churches with Jesus. Or he's been in more churches than Jesus because he's been in some he knew Jesus wasn't there. Yeah. And it's sad. Yeah. That's sad. You know, uh, you was talking about that man, and I heard something on the radio today that like really broke my heart. Like you remember when the old dude in uh, was it Lakeland, Florida, that shot those seventeen people? Those yeah, seventeen people. Uh, one of the survivors within the week killed herself, and uh, like you know, it hit me. We can rehabilitate, and we can we can uh, we can go and we can talk to all the psychiatrists and. You know all the counselors in the world and we can i mean literally man we we go and we get subscribed to prescriptions 
or prescribed prescriptions, sorry, uh, to suppress these thoughts and these feelings and the void in our lives, man. Right. But the whole time I'm listening to this, I'm heartbroken, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you know. But everything apart from Jesus is destined to fail. That's right. And you can rehabilitate somebody in the wisdom of man, and, and, and it will not fill that void. And the only answer is Jesus, and the only answer is Jesus, the resurrected Christ in our circumstances, man. Mm -hmm. My heart goes out to that family. My heart goes out to anyone. I mean, I don't say a whole lot. I'm kind of quiet and standoffish on a lot of circumstances and subjects. But my heart goes out for anyone who loses a loved one to some, you know, uh, unfavorable circumstance and... uh, the inability to cope with it. I mean, in and of myself, I don't have the, the, the ability to cope with anything. I mean, I really don't. But it, it, it really, I fall back on greater is he that is in me. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and again, like you said, dude, we're preaching with no Jesus internally. Yeah. And uh, it's wisdom of man and not of God. And that's why we're seeing such a falling away or even you know i call it dead space you know Mm -hmm. i could have i can have 200 people in my church but if they're not born again it's dead space that's right and and, you know you were talking about 9-11 and the the unpreparedness yeah that everybody had you know if you know if you read the scripture and and even you know relating to the teacher strike you know i saw something that said uh you guys thought that we were unprepared for this teacher strike. Well, how are we going to be when Christ comes back? Yeah. You know, and, and you know, it, that's another thing, man, it bothers me to know that uh, when a midlife crisis or when, when a bad circumstance is going on, people want to use Christ as a crutch to get them yep. through that situation. Yep. And if they do, it's, I'm back to my normal life now. Yep. Like I'm looking straight for. Oh, thanks, God. Yep. And just, just no acknowledgement of of what happened. I mean, you know. I think, in in some circumstances, that people go through and they do lean on God. Like, I think they can cry out to Him and He will hear them. And, Absolutely. And, and it may be a testament to their faith, but to the unfaithful. If they get through it, it's just like, well, I'm back on the, I'm back on my grind now. Like, mm-hmm. and and we, we can't use it, God, that way. Mm-mm. We can't because there's just there's so much more to tap into versus just just that circumstance. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and truth be told, that's not that's not true faithfulness. And to live a life full of sin and to cry out when things are bad, that's how, I mean, how do you expect to hear him? If, if you had a son or daughter that, you know, was on drugs and they cried out to you, I mean, would you, would you really want to help them? If, would you really want to give them money if you knew that they were right going to go out and, and not spend it wisely? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's this, it's the same thing with, with prayers to God, like how how can we honestly think that He would answer us if if we're not gonna 
serving, if we're not going to be obedient. I mean, isn't that the, the whole scripture? The obedience is better than sacrifice? Mm-hmm. You know, is that not a reason that maybe why we're not hearing God in today's world as much? That we're not being obedient to Him? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm telling you guys, my life, <laughs> my life <laughs> changed drastically when I, when I finally figured that out, that it is no longer about what I want, mm-hmm. but it's, what is about what He wants. And when when I truly kneeled, yeah, before him and said, "Okay, God, I, you are you are the the center of my life, and you are my father," mm-hmm. and I I mean I take loyalty very serious. Like you know, I grew up as a kid wanting to be show off in front of my dad. I mean I I I looked for I, and I still do. I look for my dad's approval in in a lot of the decisions that I make, and I thought long and hard about that to say when I was first experiencing all this, you know, I realized like he is my heavenly father. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I use the same analogy. If my dad tells me something in confidence, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. Like I want to please my dad. And I, I thought to myself the same way. Well, I want to please my heavenly father too. Even more, even more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, and it was like once I started realizing that, I, I'm telling you, man, I, I have been in a season of harvest. I, I really have. Come I mean, I, I have just been in such a blessing. Just know, just by kneeling and by being obedient. And, I, and I'm telling you, man, I, I truly believe that all those miracles that we were talking about earlier, you know, laying on the sick and everything, would come if we would just be obedient. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of times that the Lord's been like, Brant, go over there and lay your hand on somebody. And then I'm like, why am I dumb enough to question you, God? But yeah, that I fail the test, you know? And then thankfully he gives us other opportunities to do that. But I, but I tell you, man, that guilt trip that, that comes with that, it, <laughs> oh, I don't know how rough. it is for you, but it's it rough. lingers on me for days, brother. I'm just like, <laughs> God, I don't know how I'm going to get over this. And, and, it's rough. But, um, dead on, dude. Because that's the thing is, it's, Christianity isn't just a valley relationship where you say, oh, God, I need you when you hit rock bottom. It's supposed to be in the valley and the mountaintop. Yeah. And honestly, I think the mountaintop, yeah, everybody's like, ooh, that's great and stuff. You learn more when you're in the valley because you <laughs> lean on them even more. Oh, man. <laughs> so, I mean, of course, you know, if you if you want to get technical, yeah, Moses saw the Lord up, you know, on top of the mountain and got the Ten Commandments, but who cares, you know? There's a lot of things in the valley that you need to learn as well. Joseph saw him in the 13 years of... Uh imprisonment yeah so i mean you can see him and learn anywhere right yeah (laughs) um i know we've read this scripture a couple times tonight but i want to hit it again revelations 118 i am he who lives and was dead and behold i am alive forever amen and i have the keys of hades and of death i want us to hit on that real quick um this is something that that personally has came to my mind. So you got to think when Christ went to hell and gathered the keys to death, hell, and the grave, he didn't do it for us just to escape hell only. It wasn't just for that, but that we would have authority over the enemy. And that is what makes the gospel all come together is his resurrection. You know, he's saying that we have power over death, hell, and the grave, and that he's the one that's given us that type of authority. So here's a big thing too, because we've had that access we shouldn't just say, that's it. Say glory to God. I'm saved. And one day I'll fly away. Hallelujah. Bye and bye. 
We've talked about that plenty of times, haven't we, Seth? Yeah. So this is the thing. The Great Commission, how it says we're supposed to go to the ends of the earth, preaching the gospel, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's right. Salvation is key, but we need to not leave it at that. And I really wanted us all to talk about this for a moment, because like I said, he has the authority over death, hell, and the grave, because what he did, we have access to that. We need to reach people for salvation. But I think what's really, really hurt a lot of modern-day Christianity and saints is the fact that there's not as much discipleship that should be done. We, we say, okay, you're saved, great, hallelujah, by and by, you're done, you know. And we need to let them know that there's so much more in a relationship with the Father, that there needs to be in intimacy, that they have a true inheritance, that it's not just salvation. I mean, I'm not knocking it, because without that, then you're on your way to hell, you know what I mean? But he didn't die and resurrect just to let us get out of, out of hell free like a Monopoly card, but he's given us so much more access to everything else. And he called us to serve. Yeah. You know, and that's what I realized here, you know, within the past six months is, you know, it's like you said, I'm not, I'm not just a get out of hell free card now. Like, right. He called us to serve others. Yeah. And, you know, deny, deny ourselves and take up his cross. Yeah. And, but a lot of people unfortunately believe once they get saved, as long as they're at the church when the doors are open to pay their tithe, they're golden. I mean, am I saying you're not going to go to heaven because, of, yeah, you will. As, you long, as long as you live a holy lifestyle, but there's so much more, so why would you want to stop at that? And I think a lot of people aren't taught or informed of what much more there is because, let's be real, unless you're hungry, your Bible's going to sit on a coffee table or an end table in your bedroom and collect dust. And if, unless you're hungry, you're not going to find out the meat of the Word. You're just going to get the milk that you get on a Sunday morning at some little church somewhere that you go to, and that's just one meal for seven days. You need a lot more, and that's the sad thing, is a lot of the people that claim to be Christian, it's just a title, and they're not living a lifestyle of empowerment of which they have. I'm going to shut up and let somebody else talk. Good. <laughs> I mean, good. Well, you know, what would you, it was like I was asked this question one time, and it was like, you know, would you rather just make it into heaven by the skin of your teeth, or would you rather, you know, save souls and just do remarkable things, you know, it, and it's like, I thought when I was first saved that, that I, that I would just live in silence and, you know, keep the peace and all that, but, you know, that's, that was a tough lesson I had to learn was like, yeah, to be active, to be bold, to get in the community and, and testimony, and, you know, I, my goal is not to make it to heaven. Yeah, I mean, it, it truly is not. My goal is to save as many as I can in going there. Right. And and yeah. you know, if I if I spend my whole life not doing anything and and just you know, I I almost had like a vision about this to to see Christ face to face one day, and I picture someone beside him who I've testimony to or prayed for. Whatever multiple multiple times just to see that one person saved from hell and eternity it's just it's just un unfathomable man i mean mm -hmm. i i don't think people realize the severity of like the afterlife there's there is no there is no third option yeah. there is come on heaven and hell that's it and that's it and 
I just I just want to give people a sense of hope. Yeah. Because there's so many people now, you know, like you're saying that killing themselves and 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 especially being prosperous. Um and but what do what do they really have if all you have is money? I mean, you never you never see a U-Haul following behind a hearse. Yeah. I mean, it's true. When we all die, we can't we can't take anything with us. It's a it's a proven fact. I mean, they they buried the mummies. They buried them in riches and gold, and they're still there today. Yep. Um, and you know that's just that's just my goal is just 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 to save as many people as I can and not just just live in silence and and just try to be holy and pure because, I mean. That's the whole purpose behind his instruction, behind his obedience, was to spread the gospel. Gospel meaning good news. Yeah. That there is hope and that there is a savior for us out there. Mm-hmm. And just all that we have to do is accept him. And, and you know, that going back to earlier, that's why I was so upset about that. You know, about the the false accusations and the lies and the that that they're they're denying the resurrection and you know it was like what we were talking about the other day with like the unforgivable sin the blasphemy of the holy spirit like i truly believe that believing there is no resurrection i I truly believe that you know that could be part of the unforgivable sin is that we are to say, hold on, <laughs> to not believe in the resurrection is, you know, false testimony. Absolutely. Well, it says, you know, blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. Who raised Jesus from the dead? The Holy Ghost. The Holy, Holy Ghost. Ghost. To say the Holy Ghost didn't do it is blasphemy. So you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yeah, and I, I don't think people realize the the context of that. Like when you're when you're saying that you don't believe in that, then what are you really believing in? What because how how could how can you pray to God and not and not receive that? How can you read the Bible and and not pay attention to those? You know, it's they're just absolutes. They're they're absolute truths. I mean, people want to bicker about the Bible in in so many different ways, but that's that's just one thing I can honestly say is like that's an absolute. Hmm. I mean, there's so many there's so many predestinations in the Old Testament leading up to the resurrection. I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fourth man in the fire, they didn't say anything about it. The king that threw them in the fire saw the fourth man and said. Surely that is the son of man. And so, you know, how can you even, how can you say that you believe part of the Bible but not believe in the resurrection when in the Old Testament it was predestined, that there was pre-prophecy that was fulfilled. It was like he, like Simeon, when, when he heard that Jesus was born. I mean, he just, he ran to him in glory. He ran to him in praise. I mean, he was just so joyous and so happy because his prophecy had been fulfilled. And that, 
verse in Luke 2 that I read to you earlier, like everything that he had prophesied had came true. Yeah. So how can you how can you not? You know? And that's called people that slap on a title of something that they're not. Honestly. Because you can't even be a Christian if you don't believe in the resurrection or any of those things of the Bible. You can't. I mean you're you're fake. That's just my honest opinion. <laughs> I like what Leonard Ravenhill said too. He said one one day some poor fool is going to read this book and believe it and put <laughs> us all to shame. Yeah. You know, because he's going to believe, you know, in the resurrection. I mean, it, honestly, the resurrection seals the deal. I mean, we know that he came. We know that he lived. We know that he was the cross. Uh, he went to uh, a borrowed tomb, death, hell, and the grave, and he was resurrected. And, I mean, that just literally was the seal on the deal that said, you know, everything that I said, yeah, it, it's fulfilled. I mean, again, the, the, the resurrection, uh, it verifies the gospel. And not only does it verify the gospel, but it validates the resurrected man. I mean, really, right. when we live the resurrected life. Uh, the Passion Translation, I read uh, from the King James, Romans 6 and uh, 13. But 12 through 13 in the Passion Translation says it reads like this, Sin is a dethroned monarch, so you must long, no longer give in, give it an opportunity to rule over your life, controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. 13 really, really gets interesting. So then refuse, so then refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Instead, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to Him as one who has now experienced resurrection life. You know, the, the King James says, you know, presenting your body again to God alive. Yeah. You know, so, you know, for one to be alive again means one had to first die. Yeah. Yep. And that's that's the resurrection. You know, I mean, he, he talks about, you know, his life is not the same, absolutely, because his life is now endued with the grace to live abundantly in the resurrection. You know, you, right. you died. Paul, of course, says we die daily. But there's the first initial death, and that's the death to sin is what the Bible's talking about mm -hmm. here. And then we live. I mean, we live. That's the abundant, yeah. the abundant, the abundancy of life, amen, is, is the resurrection. Like, Absolutely. I don't know, dude. The sincerity in this guy's voice is just putting me to shame. I know. Dude, I love it when he gets stirred up because even at, like, Bible studies, dude, he just he rips into it. And, and like you said, it's just the sincerity. It's real. It's yeah. raw. And, and that's the thing is, you know, unfortunately, a lot of Christians, man, once, once they've been saved and in it for a while, that they lose that spark. They lose that intimacy. And it's just crawling all over them, man. And, but that's the thing is because we've lost sight of our first love. Yeah. It's became casual. Yeah, and casual, and back to the, the whole business thing, you know, I heard yeah. Damon say one time that uh, I think it's like 86% of all new converts are led to the Lord by someone that's been saved less than a year. Come on. Because I mean, we, we, get <laughs> so, we get so caught up in, like you said earlier, we get so caught up in the networking, and then we get so caught up in the business aspect. Yeah. I'm having to take care of the, the books. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I got to take care of the, the uh, persona and I got to take care of the image and I got to take care of the promotions yeah. and this, that, and the other dude. And we, we're forgetting it. We're, we're failing at it. And so you take someone that 
experiences Jesus the way that he has or we, yeah. the way we have. You know, I pray that I never lose yeah. that sincerity and that, uh, I won't call it zeal, even though it, it could be, but that that intensity, yeah. you know. That's it. Uh, there's a sincerity and an intensity in Coben's voice that, you know, uh, prophesy or what, you know, there's going to be, that's going to lead people to Jesus. Absolutely. You know, more real and from a deeper sincerity than anything, any any kind of, you know, I, I can sit here and, and ramble off scripture all day long, you know, and, and for the most part, a lot of people can, and that goes back to information, right. uh, you know, it, it can, do, do I know a lot, you could tell me all day long about this stuff laying on the table, I'm going to look <laughs> at you and shake my head, I'm going to agree with you, I'm not going to retain any of it, and I'm right. going to walk out here like, guys, full of crap. You know, I mean, I know you're not, but right, because it obviously it works. But you know, but when when we start living and preaching through the power of the resurrection, and there's a reverence about the resurrection too, man. Because yeah. I mean, when I realized that, hey, I'm I I was I was dead in my sin, and the wages of sin is therefore death. You yeah. know, and now that I live in the resurrection, it, it's a privilege and a pleasure to me to passionately answer God's call to keep yielding my body. To him as one who has now experienced the resurrection life, yeah, you know, and why? And again, let me let me let me just uh, elaborate on that. What what does that necessary? What does that mean specifically? Is when I come to the, when I come to the Father, I come to Him in the identity as the resurrected one. Yeah, Roman or Revelations eight or one and eighteen in the, the Passion Translation. I am the living one. Yeah. That's who I come to the Father as, the Son, the one that was dead. But behold, I live forever and ever. That That's that's what that scripture means in Romans 6 and, and 13 is I come and I present myself to the Father as the Son that is alive through the resurrection. That's right. The resurrection life. I'm resurrected as the Son, Jesus. Absolutely. Salah. I mean, it's... We we forget that man, and that, and really that's hard for people to fathom and swallow, because I mean, for years I'm like I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I can't. But but, but I, I'm not the one that ever said I was. It was Jesus, yeah, that said you are worthy because I made you identical to myself. What's what's the root word of identical? Identity. Mm-hmm. He gave me his identity, therefore to walk in his identity. I'm not to walk on this earth as Seth. Seth died. I'm here to walk on this earth as Jesus, the resurrected one. Yeah. You know, and so that's what that's what Peter was doing, man. Yeah. He was so in tune with the presence of Jesus. Again, he didn't have to go out and, you know, fashionably lay hands on people. <laughs> I'll say it that way. Take selfies while, while doing just, it. <laughs> selfie opportunities. He just walked down the street, man. And yeah. the resurrection, that power of the resurrected one. I mean, if you could picture this with me now, you know, when you get too close to something that has absorbed so much static electricity and it pops off and jumps at you. I really believe that that's sort of spiritually what happened with Peter. It's just the resurrection power was just jumping off of him to people that were receptive. That's good. You know, so. That's good. Well, guys, before we uh, wrap this up, does anybody else have any other other things they want to discuss because honestly we can go on all night about it because without the re- resurrection we would have nothing and and I agree with what you said way earlier in the podcast 
is why do we only put emphasis on London Easter? Because, I mean, you know, Good Friday, you know, I don't, we, we preach a lot about the crucifixion because thank God for the crucifixion. But we really neglect and emphasizing on the truth about the resurrection. Like you said, that should be preached daily. Yeah. Because, you know, the crucifixion wouldn't matter without the resurrection. You see what I'm saying? So it, it just really blows my mind that we get everybody that doesn't attend church regularly. They come out on Christmas to celebrate the birth of Jesus and then on Easter for the resurrection. And the rest of the year, they don't want to do nothing. Which, honestly, they need to be more emphasized on what we're about to celebrate on April 20th. Well, 21st, I'm sorry. I was thinking about the baby's birthday party. <laughs> so on the 21st of April, you know, this is the thing. I'm hungry. I want more of the Lord, and I want to get a more deep understanding of what is really there for us and what he's, what he's done because I, I don't want any type of biblical secrets, man. You know, I want to operate in the full capacity yeah. of what he's called me to do. Like you said, be in the pickle aisle or something. You know, when you wake up in the morning, I want the devil to tremble, right. saying, oh, man, he's up. <laughs> and he, he doesn't see me. He's like, the Lord is moving this morning. Where, You know, what's he going to do today? I, I forget which great uh, pillar of faith it was. that would might have been Wigglesworth that would wake up in the morning and pray and say, God, send me to the person that's closest to going to hell today. I want that type of boldness because he understood. You know, when you have a clear understanding and your perspective is right, Nothing is impossible, and you'll be brave enough to go do it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's my thing is, you know, I want to know, as Scripture said, about Christ crucified and the resurrection of Christ and what my inheritance truly is, and I want to operate fully in the things that He's called me to do and not be shy or weak or scared in any of those things. And that's just my heart cry. They asked Ravenhill one time, a lady did, said, uh, do you pray for the dead? And he got, uh, you know, the story goes, of course, I never met Leonard Ravenhill says that he got uh, a little angry and said, no, I don't pray for the dead. I preach to them every Sunday morning. Come on. <laughs> because, you know, and they're not, because they're not living the resurrection. It's, right. You know, it's, uh, it's doom and gloom, man. It's, you know, one glad morning when his life is over, I'll Mm-mm. fly away. Uh, but, you know, I would rather replace that hymn with the one that says, Andy walked with me, Andy talked with me, and he says I ain't his own. Absolutely. You know? So uh, I want to live in and with the resurrected one. I want to live as yeah. the resurrected one. Well, I mean, I'm just going to add this in here, and it might ruffle some feathers for some people, but just because you sit in a church pew doesn't mean anything. Because as we spoke earlier, that there is so much more that he wants you to do. He doesn't want you to get saved and then sit on your bum and be a bench warmer for the rest of your life. And honestly, I, I would even just go further and state that's just selfishness. Is what that is. You're, you're too prideful to step out and teach other people. Because I love what Bill Johnson says. Some God being so big, you should spring a leak on somebody because you're so small of a vessel. Mm-hmm. So how dare we to sit on a pew and not do the things of God and what he's called us to do and just sit there and say, well, I'm going to fly away one day and I'll be here when the doors are open and worship through the song, you know, three songs preached for 45 minutes and be done. We have so much more to do. This is the thing that kills me, man, and, and I preach on it all the time. Is spiritual warfare is real, and the devil himself is very, very, very precise with how he's going to attack. You know, through through modern warfare, it's 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 changed. Back in the Revolutionary War, they were dumb enough to stand in a straight line and say fire. You know, later on, we got into guerrilla warfare, so battle tactics have changed. 
and the enemy is going to be top-notch on how to attack us. So if the church is not well-equipped and not up to the modern terms of battle tactics, he's just sitting back and having it easy. You know, because it, what we speak out of our mouths, what's in our thoughts, or just complete ignorance. So this is my thing. If anybody's listening to this podcast and you haven't been doing much, I, I just pray that you're stirred like what we are. And that's all we're doing. We're just a bunch of guys here just saying we're hungry and thirsty for the Lord of the Lord, and we're just going to speak what he's revealed to us, and we want more. So here's the thing. Don't sit around. Don't be a bench warmer because I tell you, he will reveal great things, and you are not unworthy to be used. So go on, what would you want to I say? Mean, there's so many people will, uh, you know, I was writing on this the other day in some of my notes, you know, we uh, we send people into the battle without equipping them. Yeah. And so, But it goes back to what you're saying. I'm not contradicting what you're saying at all. I'm, I'm hoping just to elaborate on it. You know, if, if your church is not equipping you for what lies ahead of you, mm-hmm. you're, it, it's a suicide mission. It is. And, uh, but... In modern warfare, most of our great, most of our greatest victories over an enemy, is done by men whom society and the public will never know their names. Right, and that's that's the hard thing for us to swallow. Is we want again the acknowledgement and the accolades, but when you look at, you know, the Navy SEALs and the the Green, the special ops units, man, they're not in it. To promote their name or parade uh-huh. around in the public view, they're in it for the greater good and the greater cause, and that's what propels them and drives them. And they go into in behind in, enemy lines, and they're so good at what they do that the enemy does not know where they're at, and 99% of their allies do not know where they're at. Right. But what everyone sees, the whole world sees, the victory was a success when that uh, objective is taken out. When that, you know, that that target is taken out, and who done it, we don't know. But you know, the United States or whoever it may be, they get, you know, they get the glory. When we do that, I say this. I say this because it's near and dear to my heart. If your church is not equipping you, by all means, pray for your pastor, uh, because it's quite possibly the fact that he's not equipped either. Yeah. But if that not the case, you know, we as pastors have got to be willing to, uh, you know, sometimes go into the to the solitude of prayer and, you know, and begin to win battles and and defeat foes and enemies. And in, in, in my my convictions is already defeated anyway. I literally I, I don't want to emphasize so much on you know we put such a physical warfare aspect on it, you know. Uh, but I can I believe that my voice in the silent whispers of intimacy have a greater ability and capacity to overcome regions than it does if I was behind uh, uh, the uh, artillery or the uh, infantry of a great military force. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, so many people want to go out there on their front lines and almost give themselves as a spiritual martyr, uh, uh, you know, spiritual martyrdom, and say you know just so that somebody's, uh, you know, speaking over their name or praising their name. Uh, we are to go out and be the hands and feet of Christ, but so many do it for the acknowledgement of themselves. Unfortunately. And, and, and they f- those, those typically fail. You know, 
And here and here's what happens, Brandon, and we know this, is when I I become so caught up in the man and I put all my faith in the man and I put all my dependence on the man. And again I say this statement a lot. In the church we were created we, we were the church was designed to create disciples. Yeah. But we've changed the design and we've restructured the church to create dependence. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. I want him to be completely dependent upon me because uh, in my depend in my in my in him being dependent upon me, I have authority over him. I have leverage over him. Right. Uh, and that's just that's all I'm going to say tonight. But you know, it's I want to see people walk in the authority mm-hmm. because the more people he saves and you save, and the more people he lays hands on and you lay hands on really means the less work I have to do. <laughs> really means the less work that the next guy has to do. The less work you have to do, really. Yeah. And so I want to see everybody start walking in that resurrection power and the authority of the Holy Spirit and just start, you know, let me say this. And we talked on the phone a couple of days. I think that he redeemed the entire planet. And in that, I think that he resurrected the entire planet. And once, listen, man, he was resurrected once. Understand that. Mm-hmm. He is alive forevermore. But we have painted this picture of a dying church and a dying earth, and it cannot die because he breathed his life into both entities. That's right. So that's what I got for tonight. That's good. That's good. Coven, you got anything else, brother? Um, yeah, just, you know, just want to say, like, the first time that I read this and truly understood what it meant, you know, as I looked at the world around me, you know, I was like, well, that was the good old days, you know. I was like, well, you know, nothing that we're going to do now is ever going to, you know, trump. But we can, you know, we can testimony as to them. You know, I want to read you Acts uh, – 14, verse 17, he says this, Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food, and he fills your heart with joy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just knowing that we are called to disciple and, and that, like, we have joy, you know, the world has happiness, but we as Christians, we have joy. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that there's a hope and fulfillment that nothing in this world could ever replace in from the resurrected one is just, it's, it's truly a life full of content and satisfaction and happiness. And, you know, I will forever hold on to that. And uh, I don't know. That's that's all I got. That's awesome, man. Well, um, like I said, we're going to be trying to do one of these, have an episode once a month uh, based off on certain topics. We're going to be getting a Facebook page set up. They've got an email now. So once we actually start getting some subscribers and listeners, we might even have them uh, 
chime in and give us some topics that they'd like for us to talk about as well and pray to God and see what he could reveal to us so that we can give information on <laughs> and get fresh revelation from him about those topics. But anyways, guys, I've, I've enjoyed this. I'm looking forward to each month from here on out getting to do this and just pour our hearts out of what God's revealed to us and that I pray that it impacts people's lives. So we just want to say thank you for listening, and we'll see you next month. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We pray you receive fresh revelation and encouragement to pursue after Yeshua in everything that you do. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and follow Verity Podcast on all streaming platforms. Have a blessed day.